Hello, animation fans, and welcome to another iAnimate podcast. I'm your host, Larry Vasquez, and you're listening to episode 69. In the 69th podcast, we interview Jim Vanderkyle. Uh, Jim is one of our animation instructors here in our feature program, um, has been with us for quite some time in our program, and uh, is a veteran to this industry, as you'll hear in this podcast. Um, he started out in 2D. He uh, was working on Little Mermaid. Um, he worked on the Iron Giant with Brad Bird. Cool. Um, and won, uh, or was nominated for an Annie on his work there. Um, Jim made the transition from 2D to CG and uh, went to work for DreamWorks for many years and worked on um, such films as Monsters vs. Aliens, Kung Fu Panda 1 and 2, um, Puss in Boots, um, just to kind of name a few there. And um, he has worked in uh, VFX as well as an animation supervisor uh, up in Canada at a small studio where they produce a full feature animated movie there. Um, and so it was just a really neat opportunity to get to talk with somebody, sit down, who's been in the industry for this length of time, um, who's made the transition in different mediums, and uh, just kind of pick their brain. So uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy this podcast. Check it out. Jim, uh, really, really appreciate you joining us on this podcast. Uh, as I mentioned beforehand, a couple different reasons. Obviously, one, you being one of our instructors, and you've been one of our instructors for quite some time, which is way yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, but then also just going through your bio and I'm looking at it, you've got 2d, you've got CG, you've got VFX, you've been animating for a long time and it's, time. <laughs> <laughs> which is a good thing, which is a but good it, thing for yeah. when we're talking with somebody and someone who's teaching in here. So, yeah, um, that's great. Yep. really appreciate you joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's, it's great. It's great to be on talking to you, Larry. All right. your, you have one of the great voices of animation. <laughs> <laughs> this my my small con- contribution. Huh? Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So tell us, you know, how did you get into animation? What was it that sparked it for you? Obviously, you started in 2D. You had some drafting skills. Right, um, right. How, how did that evolve and come into this field of animation? Yeah, that's a it's a very complicated question. <laughs> uh, it's, I started well, actually, I, I actually started when I was thirty two. Okay, I got, I got in late. I like to I hear was, that though, because I'm yeah. I've got in late too, and I, it's it's neat because I think it gives hope for people who can jump yeah. in later in life. So that's that's good to hear. Yes, yes, um, and I got in really late when you when you think about it. <laughs> My first job was uh, at Disney, actually, and uh, I was an in-betweener on The Little Mermaid. Wow. So, so that, that goes way, way back. That's really cool, though. But I, you know, I had no idea that I could get in. I moved to, to California, and my parents had moved out there, so I, I just came out, kind of visited them, and decided to stay. And, Where are you originally from? Uh, well, the East Coast, pretty okay. much. Yeah. I was born in Canada, but I, I lived in the East Coast in the okay. United States for a while. So I got a dual citizenship. Nice. One of the things I'm working in Montreal right now, so it makes it easy. Nice and easy, yeah. Yeah. So I moved out and um, I lived in Los Angeles for a while, and uh, I didn't think I'd ever get into animation. It just never crossed my mind. And uh, I was taking some classes in computer stuff, you know, just how to model stuff. And then um, one of the girls that was in my class, she said, "Like, hey, you're you're you like to draw and stuff, why don't you?" Why don't you go check out this uh, in-betweening class that they give? And I said, like, yeah, let me take a look at it. How much is it? It's like $80. What? How is that possible? 80 bucks? 
that's crazy. And it was the union that was sponsoring these classes at the time. Wow. Like the cartoonist union, local 839. So like, okay, so I did. I took some classes in in-between. I was being taught by uh, Dale Oliver, who was the, the key cleanup guy for uh, Milt Call. Oh, cool. So, man, I had a direct connection to one of the nine old men just, just, just from that. Right, so, yeah. I, you know, 80 bucks, you know, it's, a, I think, a 10-week class or something like that. So I was doing that. I was learning how to flip the paper and, you know, figuring out how to do the in-betweens. And so eventually I found out that, um, that they were hiring because they needed to finish The Little Mermaid. So I think they were halfway through production and they needed people just, they needed bodies. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, uh, I did uh, apply there. Uh, the first time I didn't get in, uh, and then I said, like, what did I do wrong? So I went back to Dale, took another class, and just really – you know, honed in my skills and didn't give up. Uh, second time I got in. So that's how I got into uh, animation at that time. And I was 32 years old and I was a caricature artist at the theme parks before then. So I was still drawing all the time. Oh, okay. But I was doing caricatures. <laughs> that's that's awesome. How I, that's how I made my, my bread and butter. Okay. So, yeah. So then I became an in-betweener. So at that time, uh, there was a big gap between cleanup people and animation. It was like, if you're a cleanup, to to overcome that firewall to get into animation was incredible. And for most people who were in cleanup, it was sort of like, it was a separate kind of department. Once you're in cleanup, you kind of stay there. There were a few people who wanted to cross over, but it was, it was always got the feeling that it was almost impossible. Mm. So I just sort of resigned to the fact that I was just going to be a cleanup guy. So I did that for, for seven years. Okay. okay? No, seven years. Add that to 32. I'm 39 now. <laughs> now, now we're getting up there in age. <laughs> so uh, at, at some point, after doing hanging around, you know, looking at charts and timing and watching other animators and I decided at some point like I want to give this a shot so I took some animation classes at the at the union again they were they were teaching them and uh, I forgot who was teaching it at the same time the guy who did on the little mermaid he did the uh, uh, the, the evil character what the, the octopus witch whatever her name oh Ursula Ursula yeah uh, Rubio I think uh, Ruben Ruben Aquino sorry Ruben Aquino so anyway, he was teaching a class and um, seemed like, okay, this is pretty logical. It makes sense. You know, you, you do it this way, you do it that way. So eventually I did a couple tests on my own. I had Dan Wagner. I don't know if you know Dan Wagner. I've heard the name. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was teaching me. Um, we were friends at that time. We were playing uh, street hockey together. We worked in the same studio at Rich Animation. So he was teaching me and showing me about timing. He was very snappy timer. So he's teaching me all that. And then... Um, at that time, I was working at for Rich Animation as a cleanup guy, key cleanup. I was 38, 39, and then Warner Brothers was opening up a new studio, and they needed people. And at that time, they were competing with uh, DreamWorks to hire people, and they were siphoning off people from, from Disney. Uh. So uh, I got in on, on a, uh, you know, in the beginning, like, a, like an apprentice program to become an animator. And that's where, you know, I was animating with uh, Richie Bainham, uh, Adam Burke, um, Adam Burke eventually went to Pixar, and all those guys. And so we were like a new crew of people. And so my first animation feature, first time I animated was on the Quest for Camelot. Oh, okay. That was my first, first, first uh, 
So that, and and I was doing the incidental backgrounds, and I was um, under uh, Alex Williams, who's Richard Williams' son. Okay. So he was the lead on that, and uh, so you know, I learned a lot just doing that. <laughs> and then uh, <clears throat> Warner Brothers was um, coming together with uh, Turner Broadcasting at the time, and they were. Uh, and, and I think Brad Bird was trying to do his own project over there. Mm. So because of that merger, um, they needed someone to do the Iron Giant. So this is where Brad came in. That's he said, amazing. Okay, I'll do the Iron Giant, but I want to write the story, right? And and I want I want to direct it. So so that's what happened. They asked him to direct, and he actually re rewrote. <laughs> so so Brad, um, you know, I was just again, I was just doing the incidental character. This was my second feature film. Right. So I didn't, uh, you know, I, I wasn't really that far advanced, but advanced enough that it caught the eye of Brad and he's, he liked some of the incidental stuff that I was doing. And so he started giving me more and more bigger work to do. So then I started getting chunks, big chunks of animation. And I did the second half of the scene. Dean Wellens did the first half. I did the second half of the dining room sequence with, with mm. Hogarth and Kent. So that's uh, killer. Yeah, so I mean, well, I saw on your bio. What's that? I said I saw on your bio too. You you were nominated for an Annie, right? Yeah, and it was because of that work because I I had the chance, and then Brad took a chance on some of the newer animators. Man, that you know he gave stuff to Adam Burke, and Adam Adam was doing some great stuff, and and so um, because of that, um, you know, I was nominated for, for an Annie Award at that point. It was my second feature film. What do you contribute? your um learning curve on that it, to be able to get that you said this is your second feature to be able to jump up to work on a project like that and be nominated for an annie what do you contribute to your success in that and in, in be able to do that mm, um i guess it's just perseverance and just a, a stubborn belief in yourself okay you know? um just constantly working plus i had seven years of you know watching you know looking at glenn Keane stuff and mm. At Disney and you know working with Dale Bear because I worked with him um, as a cleanup artist in his studio when he was doing commercials so I was watching looking at his animation so just by osmosis I think you just kind of pick it up gotcha that's why after but you know seven years of it just soaking everything up I thought okay maybe I, maybe I can do this right yeah just give myself a chance to do it that's great and kind of believe myself in that way so yeah so but, what was uh, it go ahead yeah uh, well, I was going to say that um, because of, you know, it was my second feature and I didn't even know what the Annie Awards were. I, I got a call from <laughs> Ricardo Curtis and say, congratulations. I'm like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> you just got nominated for Best Character Animator for, uh, for Iron Giants. Like, but it's an Annie Award. <laughs> I said, you don't know? I says, no. And so I had to look it up and find out what it was. I'm like, yeah. Shit, this is a big deal. <laughs> yeah. For those and who don't I know, it's like the Oscars, other, right? Yeah, it's the Oscars of animation. For animation. Like, and, and I'm uh, like, well, who else are the other nominees? Like, what? Are you crazy? Glenn Keane? <laughs> uh, Dean Wellens? And then um, Ken Duncan? Steve Markowski, all these guys were nominated. So, you know, the, when, when I went to the Anna Awards, I had to get my tuxedo. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I'm sitting next to these guys, and I said, I hope I don't win. Because 
<laughs> I don't want to go up there because I was like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> the know? one guy that actually does not want to win the Annie Awards because yeah, exactly. against guys like uh, Glenn Keane and stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking, I'm looking at these guys. I'm like, what am I? Why am I sitting next? To this I mean, I'm just a newbie for Christ's sake. Yeah. Then, so who ended, uh, who ended up winning it? Steve Markowski. Um, okay. I think that was the first time because he did um, he did the giant. And it was all a 3D at that time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. So I think that was the first time somebody from uh, um, from a 3D, because 3D was in its infancy. Right, right. Uh, and it was incorporated into the movie. So, yeah. That's so, phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. So what yeah. were some of the uh, highlights of working with Brad there? Uh, obviously, he's very well known now, and uh, yeah. that was his yeah. first big His delight. enthusiasm, I think. Um also, we had a very special thing where Warner Brothers was starting to let go of the feature animation department. They didn't mm -hmm. care anymore. They didn't put any marketing behind the Iron Giant. Which yeah. Everybody knows about that. You know, Quest for Camelot didn't do that well. Um, so they gave up uh, pretty much after two. And which is kind of weird because we had a big speech uh, a year and a half before with the CEO of Warner Brothers. So we're at Warner Brothers and we don't give up and we're going to make this, you know, you know, this big thing. We were in animation for a long time. We're going to make this studio great. But um, after two times, they just said, ask for it. <laughs> we're not making any money. And, and they, they put a lot of money to it. We had really great offices. We had these beautiful animation desks that they built just for us that were like at least $2,000 each. Gosh. Every person. They were amazing. Uh, and then we just folded up the studio pretty much after Osmosis Jones. That was okay. the last movie that I was on. Gotcha. So I, I was on three feature films, and then then I switched over to 3D after that. Okay, and that from there you went to DreamWorks. Yeah, yeah. But I was, to go back to Brad, I mean, he, his enthusiasm was amazing. Um, he uh, we he knew that because the studio was. He said this in a speech to us because sometimes he gathers us all up and. He'd give, he'd give these speeches that got everybody energized, wanting to really work hard for him, you know, and go back to our desk and animate everything. So um, he was saying that this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Most studios really like to get their fingers in on and, and micromanage everything and mm. do some marketing survey and tell us what to do. We need this in the movie. We need that. So um, he says, they're leaving us alone. I can do my own movie. <laughs> and says, this is, this is incredible, guys. Let's, let's take advantage of this. And let's do it the way we want to. Nice. And that's what we did. That's what, and that's what you see in the screen. You see, you see the love of, of every animator that wanted to animate on this movie. It just come through. Everybody was super jazzed. That's that. killer. That's yeah. killer. Now, I had, a, I had a chance to take a, a workshop with Tal Schwartzman um, mm -hmm. earlier, earlier this year. Who's oh, now? Yeah. yeah, who's now over at Pixar? He got to work on Incredibles two, yeah, um, and he worked on it with uh, Brad Bird, and he had some cool stories to talk about with him. I'm looking forward to getting yeah. him on a podcast. I think next, um, yeah. it's been a, been a bit, um, but one of the things I thought was really cool about what he mentioned in regards to Brad as a director was showing his work was um, Brad was looking for that feeling. It wasn't just so much the motion. It was the emotion mm -hmm. and, and feeling behind the shot. Was that stuff that you right. picked up as well during that time, or yeah. was that something that was developed later from Brad? No, I think that's just the way he likes to work. He, okay. he, he wants to he, – he, he's, he's, he's from a – kind of like – and I see myself that way too. When, when I think about animation, I, I think of myself more as an, as an actor. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and, and not just somebody who's who's drawing or moving rigs around things like right. that. Um, so, uh, the, and he he always looked at it from a story point of view. He says, like, if, is this telling the story? You know, and the poses had to tell the story. So. Back then, we didn't really have screens where you could draw over, so we put everything on a whiteboard. You know? Okay. And and then we project everything on a whiteboard, and so he'd come in with his little dry erase marker and draw on top of it. Oh, cool. Okay. And then he would draw the poses that he wanted. So, like, if you get this pose here, this would be great. So, we'll, okay. Okay. So, so we had to remember the pose in our That's what I was going to ask you. It's like you're pulling yeah. out your phone, and you're like, okay, let me just take a picture of that. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, we don't. We didn't have phones back then. <laughs> Well, I don't so, think, yeah, you had to you had to remember what you saw. We there. had to remember pretty much what it was, or just you know do a little sketch of it. So. Right, right, yeah. very cool. Yeah, um, but, but the one thing I did want to talk about say about Brad is that um and and kind of was a great thing, but also kind of a bad thing because it spoiled me. Uh, what he wanted to do is like one time he says, "Okay, we'd see the 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 scene, and you know the animator would just be quiet and like just." You know, we were supposed to re receive our directions from the, you know the Almighty Director, and <laughs> and then he look at us like, well, "Come on, guys! You know, like, what are you doing? Come on! I want to, I want to hear from you. Uh, this is give me your input. If you don't like what I'm saying, let me know. You know, because everybody was just quiet. We'll, we'll, we'll just do what we, you say. That's it. <laughs> but he didn't want that. He wanted participation. He wanted gotcha. us to fight for the scene. Like if we saw a way of of, of animating it, he wanted us to. To, to talk about it. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, so when I got hired at DreamWorks, I, I have this like, yeah, we should do it this way. And like, they're looking at me like, are you nuts? <laughs> do, it, do it the way we said it. Yeah, shut <laughs> up, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, wait a minute. This is what I learned from Brad. You want to, you know, we want to wrestle for that shot and, you know, argue with the supervisor. And like, that was a big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> now, have you found that different directors have responded with that though where you can kind of inch it out a little bit and like okay this some directors are better than others some directors just want it their way just do it yeah, yeah just do it my gotcha. way gotcha you know i already thought about it I, you know i struggled with the storyboards and i can understand that yeah you know, i don't got sense. time to sit here and dialogue with you so yeah you can only go to my yeah yeah you're you're gonna illustrate my my vision of it I don't right know. Which is sort of different because Brad wanted everybody, he wanted, I think that was part of his plan. It's like if everybody was enthusiastic about this, right. you're going to get more production out of people. As a matter of fact, he did say that. He said that things that with studios forget is that um, the, the, the enthusiasm that, um, that the animators and the crew put into it can make a huge difference in production in terms of people you know, producing more. Right. So one, yeah. that's one of the big things is, you know, studios need to get the, the, the scenes out in, a, in a, an orderly time. They need to get the, the quantity out at the same time. And, uh, and uh, if, if, if they're just clocking in nine to five, getting out, can't wait to leave, you know, just because they're just doing their job. You know, right, right. You're not going to get the same kind of production value out of it. You know? Yeah. So, so that's, I think that's probably I think what his strategy was to get everybody really enthusiastic about going in there because you're going to put the extra effort and you're going to spend that, you know, you're not going to go take three breaks. You're going to take only maybe one break. You know? Yeah. 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 For sure. You, yeah. You're, you're invested into it just other than just the art form as well. 
Yeah, you call it morale, the, the, the crew morale. So gotcha. If you have a really high crew morale, you're going to get a lot more production value. So yeah. That studios do not take that into account. You know, there is a really cool video on Vimeo and I'll see if I can link it, but someone had taken some stuff from Brad Bird and it's talking about that and it hits upon that. I, uh, mm-hmm. I'm kind of a little bit of a blank on that, but he talks about morale, but talking about that extra, you can get out of him four or five minutes or whatever. You'll get more out of that than just, you know, say, so I'll see if I can find it and put it in the notes here. Cause that, that reminds yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. 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 I All think right. it's kind of a famous quote from Brad, you know, but it's true. It's 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 really really true. It, it does add a lot to the studio. Now I want to kind of come back to this here, but I'm just out of curiosity. You're you're mm-hmm. an animation supervisor right now, ever at uh, Singing Frog. I Sing- was, yeah. We, okay, Singing we Frog. Finished. Yeah, I, I supervised two um, feature films. Over. Okay. Yeah. Did is that some of the stuff that you've incorporated as you've sought to yeah. supervise? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I did the same thing. Like it worked for Brad. And I kept trying to tell the studio too, like, you know, if you have a good morale, that's going to be good for production. And both times we had to re- kind of recreate this cr- uh, the crew because, you know, there was like some time in between. The right. Crews. We had to let everybody go and then bring everybody back. Uh-huh. We got some new people in. And my first feature, um, because it wasn't really a well-known studio and we were doing a project that was just local from Quebec, uh, Canada. And uh-huh. then, um, so uh, I was I had a lot of junior animators, so I need I needed some way to get everybody involved. So I you know I personally respected everybody's contribution, and I tried to encourage their creativity. Nice. You know, if I had a vision of how it should go, but if I saw somebody doing something different, and I like, hey man, that really works. I like it. So and then that gave them confidence, and so they really like uh, working. So we, we had some t- we had two really really good crews on. Um, on both uh, feature films and uh, those people are still friends and they're, they, you know, they, they hook up, you know, for, uh, you know, happy hours after all the time. And gotcha. We, we had, we had a really good crew. Very nice. Both times, yeah. I, I think it's also important too, because it's a great way for artists to learn as well. You know, if, for example, if I, if I kind of able to speak up a little bit and like, I love that you use that term wrestle with it. Yeah. Even if the director is you, you come to the director's conclusion on that you've at least now understand and you have a greater knowledge of why they came to that. And now you're able to make better decisions as you continue to animate because you have a better understanding of where the director's coming from. Yeah. And plus you have this, you know, if you're a supervisor and even if you're a director, you still have this one, you have a circle of, of what your vision is. Mm-hmm. But then when you have, you know, inputs of 28 animators, cause we had 20 animators at one point, and everybody has a slightly different kind of vision of how this could go. Someone's going to bring in some very unique, you know, take on, on, right. a, on a scene. And then yeah. why, why would you diminish that, you know, take it and, 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 and accept it. And, and, and it'll just make the movie, I think, better. Yeah. Instead of, instead of being dictated by, you know, oh, the storyboards were this way. I want it exactly like the storyboards. So this is the way I exactly want it, you know. It's like be open to to another suggestion because it'll probably make your movie a little bit more interesting to look at. I think, right? Because everybody brings in their own experience to it. You know, it's like yeah. you're telling an actor, uh, you know, I want you to turn your head on frame, you know, forty two. <laughs> you know, no, you, you let the actor go w- with it, 
and give him some guidelines and kind of run with it, that. Give something from his experience. Because if he doesn't do something from his experience, it's not going to feel authentic, sincere. Gotcha. No. That's the whole point of animation. It's got to be sincere. Yeah. No, it's a great, great, uh, it's kind of funny word picture because otherwise, it, you know, you go, that sounds really, really weird to do it to an actor, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, from Warner Brothers, that had closed down there. Mm-hmm. Where did you, is that when you went to DreamWorks then? No, um, there was a little transition in between. I, I, I went to Sony. Sony was doing Eight Crazy Nights with Adam Sandler. Oh, okay. Do you remember that? I remember it. I don't know if I've actually it seen it. was a 2D. It was Adam Sandler. I was on oh, it for maybe six months. The Christmas one. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Okay, Hanukkah. yes, yes. I do remember that one. Or, yeah, Hanukkah, not Christmas, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the Adam Sandler character was kind of like uh, a guy that was very down on life and kind of pissed about okay, everything. I, and you, I guess his character arc was that he learns to, you know, kind of like be happy again. Gotcha. <laughs> now, off, before we started, you asked me where there's some of the people I've had on the podcast, and I cannot yeah. remember offhand, but I did uh, interview with somebody who did work on that same one. So uh, I'll say back to Frank, it. Steve Cunningham. I'll, I'll find it and okay. uh, get with you on that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because they also worked on the same, they also worked on the, uh, what was the dog one that was Rodney Dangerfield? Rodney. Oh, I worked on that too. Okay. So that's what, maybe, that's what made me think of it. So. That, yeah. <laughs> I'll see if I can remember. You'd be like, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah Rover Dangerfield. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> He's a dog. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I didn't know respect to Yeah. <laughs> okay, I got to go through my, my list here. Uh, remember yeah. who it was. Okay. Okay, so then you... Yeah, so uh, I, I did, yeah. So after that, I went to Sony and I worked on that. I did some, um, some uh, what do you call it, uh, experimental animation you know trying to figure out what the character is we had this character that had a little limp so we had to figure out a walk for that so i was one time i was in the studio <laughs> with adam sandler and he's looking at over our stuff and he looks at me and he he does this little thing where i'm supposed to give him a high five but it's a low five and he does it behind his back okay and like uh, I guess I'm supposed to slap his hand, you know. So I'm trying to be cool, but I just was not cool in front of Adam Sandler at all. He probably thought I was such a dork. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I, I, he went to go, hey, five, you know, hey, yeah, and I'm supposed to be really cool and you know, do, the, do the high five thing or the low five, whatever it is. And I just messed it up completely. <laughs> Have you ever seen him since? No. Okay. See, there you go. No, no big deal. No big no deal. No big deal. Yeah. I'll never see you again. Never know who I was. <laughs> Unless he's listening to the Animate <laughs> podcast, right? Uh-huh. Unless he's listening to the Animate yeah, podcast. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure. Hey, Adam. <laughs> How you doing, man? <laughs> so yeah, that was my Adam Sandler story. Nice. Uh, but you know, I used to bring my my daughter was like uh, I think twelve, thirteen at the time, and I would bring her in on weekends for overtime, and then. Adam Sandler's best buddy. He was always in his movies. I don't know what his name is. Or is it um, Rob Schneider? No, not Rob Schneider. Um, he's kind of a writer as well as a producer. And sometimes he has these cameo roles. Okay. Anyway, so, and and she would come in with me and then he would entertain the girls because she'd been going with her girlfriend. So it was kind of funny. So she got to hang out with uh, him and Adam Sandler. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, it was kind of fun. <laughs> But anyway, after that was done, um, I, my, my heart was set on uh, getting into 
3D at that time because I kind of had a feeling things were moving in that direction. Okay. And before then, when I was on Osmosis Jones, um, the 3D department, because um, Drix, the 3D character, was on, they were on like uh, maybe the fifth floor, if I remember correctly. And so we were on the third floor. So I would walk up two flights and I would go up to the 3D guys like, okay, guys, whatever scenes that you don't want, I want to, I want them like, oh, you're moving holds, your simple little takes, the, the, the 40 frame scenes that you don't want. I want, I want to learn how to do this 3D Okay, that's interesting because so some that's guys how have, I learned, huh? I was gonna say that's interesting because some guys that come from the two D had a tough transition to that. You were right ramped up and ready to go to try to. No, learn. I was into computers the whole thing. I had an Amiga uh, two thousand at the time, and I was like, you know, I was totally embracing the whole thing. Gotcha. Okay, now that's good. That's very cool. And, and yeah, we learned. Um, we had Maya one at the time because they were trying to think of softy Maya or Maya, so they uh -huh. went with Maya one for for the Iron Giant. Oh, okay, gotcha. Because the, the, the giant was done in three D, and uh, so then so they continue. I think maybe they were at Maya two by the time Osmosis Jones came along. Okay. So I you know I just took the Drix character, very simple you know geometric character, um, very easy to do. So that's that's how I kind of cut my teeth on 3D. Did you find so, it challenging at first since you were able to, you know, in essence, draw what you wanted to? Did you find using the rigs and things like that challenging or did you pick it up pretty not quick? Not really. No, it was, you know, once you animate, it's just applying the same principles. Gotcha. Yeah. You just have to learn how to get this, the same shapes with a rig. Mm -hmm. That's what I tell my students, you know, you're, when you're animating, don't animate body parts, animate the shape. Mm make the shapes move and make them make them look good nice yeah. yeah very nice like like ryan woodward if you look at uh some of his animation like we were talking about before the yeah. thought of you he used to be a he used to work on the internet as well he was a, a effects artist but he does he, he animates at some parts of the of that part of that um, animation he does uh these 2d type of swishes and uh -huh. And, and everything almost becomes just a simple geometric shape. Right. Then they move back into the form again. Uh -huh. Right. Into the human. It's form. amazing. Yeah. It's, and and you and it's beautiful to look at it, these these shapes. And so that's if you can animate that way. You know, if you think about the, you know when you're creating a pose, create a shape. Mm. That kind of thing. So um, so basically, that's that's what 3D is. It's just trying to get the same thing that you were doing in 2D, but yeah, you do it with the 3D. With a 3D rig. Gotcha. So did you get some of the shots there that was on the Osmosis Jones? Yeah, I did. There's a couple of shots, in, but they're really yeah. small little shots. One of them is he's sort of walking down the stairs, even though he didn't have any legs. He just you know, walked down the stairs. <laughs> and then another shot where, like, you know, he does a little take, you know. But that's, you know, that's fine. Like you said, it cut your teeth care. out. I, there was no ego involved. It was just me just trying to learn. This trying time. to learn. That's fantastic. Yeah. So then... That was uh, the last one you worked on there. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, so um, after Sony, um, I put a portfolio together in some of my own experimentations with, because uh, um, we were allowed to play with the Iron Giant rig mm. as well. So I did a simple animation with that. Now these, this would never get me into a studio nowadays, <laughs> but back then, um, that kind of animation was like, oh, okay, he's he's got some 2D experience. Now he, he's got a little bit of a headway into the 3D stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, let's give a chance on this guy. So then I worked at, uh, I worked at Sony uh, in their um, 
they were doing uh, Stuart Little too. Oh, okay. So I got hired for that. So I, I trans, uh, I went over onto, it went from Sony to Sony, but it was like the other department. Went to right, Sony right. Networks at that point. Now, do you, so, you were obviously animating a lot more on that in CG. Yeah, yeah. And then I was like thrown into it. By first, actually, we didn't, we weren't on uh, Stuart Little yet. We were doing um, the first uh, Harry Potter. Okay. So I was doing the troll in the bathroom scene on Harry Potter. And okay. Was, so I, 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 can, I remember staying up until, like, I was sweating it sometimes. Like, oh, my God, this is not working. This is not working. So I would stay till 12 o'clock at night trying to get this thing to work that I wanted it to <laughs> so I could show it. Uh, but, you know, you, that's how you learn. I was going to say, there's many of us who are listening right now who have been through that and doing that at times, you know. <laughs> well, I... Because, you know, and I, and I warn students now, like, don't counter animate yourself, you know, if you, and I, I, we had two rig, two, two controls that would move him. And then I switched at one point midway. And um, I, next thing you know, my, this, the, the rig is doing something like, what? Did, I don't understand. <laughs> Why is it doing this? And then I found out that I was actually counter animating myself. So I had to go back and muscle my way through that. Gotcha. But, you know, sweating bullets the whole time. Because <laughs> I'm still learning, you know. Something you learn from each project, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but then, you know, I'm, I'm working, you know, we're, we're doing stuff that's supposed to be on the big screen. This is yeah. going to be like for Harry Potter, for God's sake. So we better, you know, get this stuff right. Eventually, I learned and became more relaxing. Do you, did you take your same uh, workflow from 2D into uh, CG? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, the big the big thing because we had um, Richard Williams come to Warner Brothers when in the two D days, and oh, okay. the big thing I, I took from him was the breakdown. Uh. was the breakdown. You have your two keys, and then the transition to go from one key to the other. The, the magic part of it is the breakdown. Gotcha. It's like you can put in overlaps. You can put in. Um, you can you make the a little bit difference, not just a linear transition because right. the computer is going to give so you. So you knew that already the computer was going to do that. Yeah, the computer is going to give you that, that linear transition, but then you just change it a little bit. You know, you see what the computer gives you and then you just change that uh, breakdown. Maybe you, you make them go a little bit lower and then higher. Yeah. Um, maybe you, you delay the head a little bit where you mm. delay the arm or something like that. Anything just to kind of give it more of a less robotic right. kind of feel to it. So right. that was, that was, that's basically you know, the, the magic part of, of animation is that breakdown, favoring one or the other poses and things like that. So Now, I want to come back here, but I just, I like these little rabbit trails because you've, yeah. ty you've typically have taught in our earlier level workshops. Right? Um, I did a, a bunch of them. I'm teaching right. level one now and level right. two. And I used to teach uh, full body acting. Right. Um, Body Mechanics 3. But I really like uh, teaching the first. I, I, I like getting people fresh out so that I can fix those bad habits right away and warn them about what not to do with the rig. Gotcha. And, and, and that way I can sort of like, these are my children, I can push them off <laughs> to the next level. Now you and can so, go, yeah. <laughs> yeah and, then, and people, hopefully they'll go, wow, you're doing a good job. And so, yeah, well, Jim made sure that we... In, we know about all the little problems that can happen. Right. We're not setting up the rig properly. 
Right. Now that's what made me think of that because I, yeah, I know yeah. you've taught some of the later workshops as well, but you've been in the mm-hmm. earlier workshops as of late. Recently. Yeah. 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 For the last so, uh, year, year, I think. Yeah. yeah. And so just, yeah. it makes sense in light of what you're talking about and how you kind of transition from the 2d into 3d and a lot knowing the pitfalls or, um, how to set things up and Hey, it's, you know, it's in the breakdown right here, guys. And, uh, yeah. These are things that you've taken from the 2D here that you learned and quickly to implement into 3D. So Yeah, yeah. And then the big thing that I, I like to stress is the graph editor and then keeping your curves as clean as possible. Okay. And then and then we have that new program called um, Animbot. You use Animbot? Yes, yes. I like Animbot a and lot. And that thing has saved my ass so many times. I've found <laughs> it. I use that thing extensively. And then I try to turn all my students onto it. And yeah. once they get it, once they get on it, they're hooked. Yes. Yeah. Cause, Cause that thing is just completely transformed my workflow. Absolutely. Really the anim recovery thing. alone is fantastic. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. You need that. You crash your Maya scene um, and you're like, ah, okay. Pulls right yeah, back I'm up. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I got it. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> Yeah. That alone well, is worth the price. So many times where I put in two hours, didn't know the time went by, and then Maya crashes and you, your face goes white. Yes. And then you're just like, I just lost all that work. When was the last time I was, hit save? Oh my god! That's yeah. The worst feeling in the world. The blood <laughs> just rushes from your your face. Yes. Well, to see if we can get a, a student discount or something like that for for our students. I'll yeah, check that into nice. that. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, Anabot's the best, man. I totally agree. Totally agree. I'm we use it here. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> I got off on a tangent there, but um, yeah. So now that was what you're bringing to your classes here. Um, yeah. So now back to uh, you worked on Harry Potter. You worked on Stuart Little at Sony. Right. And there, where did you head off? Then um, after two and a half years at Sony, I thought, oh, you know, I'm going to see if I can get into DreamWorks, and so. Uh, I think uh, at first they were still on Sinbad and I didn't really want to do 2D anymore. Okay. As a matter of fact, at that point I thought maybe my 2D skills were kind of rusting and I think, oh man, because I didn't want to compete with, you know, all those amazing French animators. (laughs) 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 They can draw circles around everybody, you know? (laughs) It's like, ah, fair enough. Anyway, so I I wanted to get into two days. Like, well, we don't really have anything yet, so I kept waiting until finally Shark Tale came up, and so I applied at that point, and then that's when I transitioned over to to, to DreamWorks. And I'm sure they were looking for three D artists at that time pretty heavily. Yeah, worked out really nice. Yeah. And that now, was fun. I had a great ride at uh, DreamWorks. I was there for eight years. Yeah, I was going to say, that's where you knew a lot of the guys that uh, Jason Ryan and yeah, that helped. that's where I met Jason. Yeah. Yeah, Start I think he just came over from um, he was Disney. On, um, Disney. Yeah. I think his last one's Chicken Little, I think. Yeah. On that point. You would have worked with him on uh, Monsters vs. Aliens, I think. Yeah. That was probably right. one of the first ones. Yeah, uh, Monster, well, that came a little bit later. I was on um, Flushed Away. Okay. And, and yeah, he, he worked over on Over the Hedge. Yeah. He did Over the Hedge. I don't know if he worked on that. No, I think his no. first one was Monsters vs. Aliens. So that would have been the yeah, first one. Yeah, and then Monsters vs. Aliens. That's, that, yeah, that's right. That's right. I remember, I, re- I remember, yeah, because he was uh, just around the hallway. Okay. Now, Shark Tale being one of their early CG ones, was there any yeah. things that, difficulties that you, you know, that you maybe weren't used to, or was it just that's kind of all you knew, having just come off of, you know, a couple other shows that was uh, CG? Yeah. 
I, I don't know. I just... Um, Do you flow into it pretty quick? Yeah, I kind of adapted pretty easily to that. Okay. Uh, you know, knowing what a rig can do now versus the, you just dealt with it. You know, okay. this, this, these are the limitations and you just do what you can with, with the, with the rigs and everything. So you just did your best in animating. Gotcha. And, uh, you know, it's just a matter of survival and just, you know, being, being able to keep working. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now you were used to Disney with a lot of the talent there, but I know, you know, you'd mentioned there was a lot of talent there at DreamWorks coming mm. under their 2D. Was oh, yeah. there anybody that kind of stood out to you that was kind of the mentor uh, when you got there fresh to the studio? Well, Dan Wagner, um, like I mentioned before, we worked together on, on at Rich Animation. He was an animator at that mm -hmm. time. A damn good 2D animator. He was also at Warner Brothers, too. He, he worked on Quest for Camelot. Uh, and so he went to, to DreamWorks before I did. And uh, okay. He was working on Sinbad and some of the 2D stuff, but he he transition into 3d i don't think he wants to go back to 2d he loves the performance part of it mm -hmm. and he's an amazing performer gotcha Dan wagner is really good so you know i sort of was still under his tutelage in a way nice um not as much before um and uh so i was on his team on kung fu panda uh so there were a lot of you know dan wagner's an amazing animator uh, probably one of the unspoken great animators i think that's what I've heard. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, his name should be out there more. I wish I wish he got more recognition. But then we had Rudolf uh, Gwenadin. Uh, we had yeah, we had um, oh, who's the other guys that were two D the French animators. The guy that looks like Einstein. <laughs> What's his name? Oh, I can't. There's, can't think I'm right now. Yeah. Like I'm, yeah, I'm having a brain spasm here. I can't. <laughs> um, but yeah, we had a, a lot of great, great, great. At DreamWorks. Very cool. I think some of them are, most of them are still there. Mm. Some of them have moved on to other projects. Oh, uh, James Baxter. Baxter, yeah, he was. Yeah, but he, now he was I there for a long time. Yeah, for a really long time. Yeah. Uh, so he was he was great um, to to learn from, and then, um, but I think he's working at Netflix now. That's right. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. So now, yeah, there's some great people to be inspired from. Amazing animation. So yeah, it was great. A great time. Again, it was it was all learning as much as you can. You never stop learning as an actor. No. You know, you every time you get a new scene, you like I've never <laughs> fish before. How do fish move? You know, you have to go and study how fish move. And, yeah. You know how does how does a you know how does a certain animals move and you know there's always something different. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's I always tell people that's animal. the. The double-edged sword of animation, you, you, the fact that you can keep learning is what kind of drives you and it makes it fun. Mm -hmm. The other side, though, is that you never feel like always settled, you know? And so it's always that constant trying to, okay, I got to keep going here, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you got to keep swimming, you got to keep treading water. That's right. <laughs> if you stop learning, you just start to sink. You're you know? done there, yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned you got to work on Kung Fu Panda 1 yep. and 2, right? 1 and 2, yeah. The first one was huge hit. Uh, yeah. Uh, did you yeah. guys know at the time that you were working on it that it turned yeah, out to be so it well? it had that same special feeling that the Iron Giant had. Not quite, mm. but we knew that we were working on something kind of special. Okay. And unique. And uh, when it came out, we just had 
the best hopes, but then it became a huge hit. Which gotcha. Really great, which spawned uh, two and three. Yeah. Right. And then Puss in Boots, which you earned. Oh, no, that was app from a. Puss in Boots was. Um, I, I did Sorry. work on Puss in Boots, but, yeah. but just like, you know, I was at the end of production and um, they were like, I, I was transitioning off of one show. Oh, I was actually tr- uh, transitioning off of Kung Fu Panda 2 and then okay. did a few scenes in Puss in Boots, but I really wasn't officially on that show. Uh, it just happened. Is there any shots that in animation that you gravitate towards? Is it more the acting, more the physicality? Uh, Kung Fu Panda obviously had a ton of physicality. Yeah. Um, did you, you gravitate towards one or the other? I think more, maybe for me, more of the dramatic okay. type of animation where it's just kind of like the more serious animation mm. kind of thing. Comedy, I can do it, uh, but I don't know if I have that innate, feeling for gotcha. timing some people are really really good at it mm-hmm. i guess you just have to acknowledge what you're good at not stick with it but you you, you want to start to push and see what you if, what you can do right right that's but, what was um, going to become my next question then is the shots that you maybe aren't as inclined to are there any tricks so to I, speak that you typically would do to gear up I for those what i want to do i really want to i really want to learn how to do um, more comic stuff, you know, that really okay. snappy timing. I'm yeah. really a big fan of the, of the uh, cloudy with chance of meatballs. Yes. Just looking at the, the crazy poses. <laughs> you know, and, my, and my mind same, always goes, how do they come up? What, what would make them think to go that pose? You know? Uh, yeah, exactly. So it, I'm with you on that. It works, but yes, like, man, it's just amazing to look at, <laughs> but not just with cloudy, but also with uh, the, um, was it Hotel Transylvania? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That, that super snappy timing. Yeah. And if you go frame by frame, you, you, it's like one one breakdown, and then they're into that next pose. Yeah, and then and a nice just, moving and hold, and yeah. It's, well, it's not even a moving hold. Sometimes it's just it's pixel locked, and the only yeah. thing that's moving is like that the last bit of hair that's that's kind of <laughs> catching up. You know. It's like, <laughs> but it, it just blends so well, and it's like, why does it work? Right. Because because when I'm animating, I always want to slow in or overshoot on a pose and settle. Mm-hmm. And and but why is it? Because when when soon as things pixel lock, it looks wrong to me. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. I always feel like it's got to ease in a little bit more. Just oh, it's just stopped completely, and then yeah. it looks wrong. And I'm and like, but but it looks it looks perfectly fine when you look at Hotel Transylvania. It's like, why is that working? Yep. And why why do I have this mindset where I can't? adjust <laughs> <laughs> i had this one shot i'm working on right now it's with a dog and it's uh, kind of acting like it's dead and all of a sudden it pops up real fast yeah yeah and i'm looking at the head i'm like same kind of thing i'm like i want to ease into this but i know my tendency is to do that yeah. but as soon as i got the overlap on the ears yeah it felt fine that yeah. that same almost where it felt like it was hitting you know wall so to speak it, yeah. once you get that nice overlap in it feels i think totally the fine. secret is if you have everything stop at the same time, it's wrong. Right. If you have at least one thing that's still moving where everything else is completely locked, it, yeah. it'll, be, it'll be fine. So you have some kind of overlap. Yeah. Just it'll, too funny. It'll, huh? it'll work. It'll work. Any favorite shows that you worked on at your time at DreamWorks? Because you, you said you were there for eight, uh, year, eight years? Eight years, yeah. Okay. I mean, I liked all of them. Um, I think the one I least liked was uh, Flushed Away. 
Why is that? I like that one. Uh, Just I don't know. It was production. tedious. It was a little bit tedious. We also had to make it um, look kind of like claymation. Not, yeah. What did they do? Stop motion. Stop motion. Yeah. yeah. Stop motion. And uh, so we had to do all the dialogue on twos, you know, step two. You didn't care for that? No, it's fine. I, I thought it was interesting to do and we had to, but um, it just, I don't know, it just didn't flow as well for me. Okay. Uh, the Kung Fu Panda ones were really fun to work on. Over the Hedge was fun. Um, Shark Tale was sort of, it was kind of clunky because the rigs were pretty clunky. Uh-huh. Um, and we didn't, you know, the thing, I think Finding Nemo was around the same time. Yeah. As that. And the way they, they analyzed how fish swim. And we didn't do that at, at DreamWorks. Everybody had their own way of how the shark would move. <laughs> and it wasn't consistent. And there was nobody kind of directing that. You know? Gotcha. Um, and I, I wish that we had, you know, we really spent a lot more time trying to make it, uh, you know, put more analysis into the, into the mechanics of how fish are swimming. And, and there was no classes on it. We didn't, you know, they should have had a big, huge um, aquarium so that we could just look at fish yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. Uh, so I, I, I love the characters. Will Smith was one of the voices. Um, yeah. And that was fun because I had a couple of shots with him. Very cool. And uh, so, yeah. Um, but any, yeah, the Kung Fu Panda ones were probably the most fun to do. Any char- characters particular that you've in that span that you really love working like, on? Well, I love working on Poe. I had a lot of Poe shots. And then I had uh, Goose Dad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we had a name for him. It was He was just Goose Dad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, did he have a name? I don't I'm know. trying to think. I don't know. It was called dad, obviously. It just was always dad. Yeah. So, yeah. So he was kind of fun the way he moved. Long neck. And um, yeah. So I never got one of the fight scenes, though. I kind of wish they worked on that. That's a super mechanic. Yeah. Like one of my supervisors was Philip LeBron. And then I think he had it. He got an Annie nomination for his work on that. He was really good at it. Good at a lot of the fight scenes. Yeah, I mean, they, it was they were super smooth. You know, they were like there was nothing. Your eye just was blended into the into the fight. Really, gotcha. Nice. And, you know, it it didn't stop or start or, or felt you know jilted. Yeah, it was. It had a really nice flow to all his fight scenes. So he was really good at that. Very cool. Yeah. So now, then you would have been. Uh, uh, so when you finish with at DreamWorks, I know you've yeah. been to China. You've been to. Um, so I know I was just teaching. I didn't. Okay. Yeah. Argentina. Just a seminar. Uh, in Argentina. Yeah. So um, after, okay. So at, at DreamWorks, um, they, they had this ambition. They hired a lot of people. They were going to do three features a year. Mm-hmm. And then they said, oh, you know what? We can't. So my contract was up. Um, so I got laid off. So, you know, that happens. People, right. And people get laid off. So I was like, okay, I had a good run eight years. What am I going to do now? So um, I was uh, applying everywhere and i applied at disney and disney said yeah i think you know you can come aboard with us we're we're, we're going to work on monsters uh not no, sorry uh, what is it uh wreck it ralph so okay it's like uh and i was talking to the supervisor up there and he says yeah we're starting a brand new crew we feel like we're just starting new and we're going to build a, a studio from there because they were not doing so well right with some of the other projects like i thought yeah that sounds good but i had this other offer to go to argentina work on this, uh, you know, uh, 
Spanish movie called uh, Metagol, which is basically the Argentinian word for foosball. Yeah. These foosball Toy Story characters that were coming to life. And I, I wanted to shock my system. I wanted to do something different. So mm. I said, thank you, Disney, but no, I'm going to go to Argentina. <laughs> <laughs> How stupid was that, huh? <laughs> I could have been working maybe, you know, on Frozen 2. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you know, things happen for a reason. I had the greatest time in Argentina. I met a lot of new people. That's awesome. I, you know, I expanded my my whole sense of the world, working in a different country. Very cool. Uh, made a lot of friends. Um, and uh, A lot of great food? Uh, to be honest with you, the food is not so amazing in Argentina. They love okay. pizza, and they don't like spicy food. Down there. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. gotcha. So not quite yeah. like Mexico, huh? No, it's not. It's How long were you there for? I have a whole year and two months. Okay. Yeah. So Do hablas English or Espanol? Uh, poco. Okay. Poquito. Is it poquito or poco? poquito? Poquito. Poquito. Yeah. Hablas Espanol? Uh, yo aprendo Espanol. Yo, I'm, I'm learning aprendo. it. Oh, I'm learning, learning it. it. Yes. Yo. But you don't say yo. You just say aprendo. Aprendo. Si. Yeah, it's more like <laughs> Latin when they speak. I'm, I'm Latin probably learning use. it too formal. <laughs> <laughs> yo. And then, uh, yeah, but the Argentinians, they speak a little bit different than, uh, like, the Colombian. Colombian Spanish, to me, is, like, the standard of South American. Okay. I, I, I like the way they sound. But Argentina, instead of saying yo, yo, they say show. Everything uh. is with an S-H. And instead of tortilla, they say tortilla. Okay. Interesting. So they have a different way of speaking. And, the, and they speak Spanish with an Italian accent. So they have the thing, the talker like it is, you know. <laughs> But it's in Spanish, and, uh, you know, <laughs> and they talk with their hands, and, you know, but it's all in Spanish. Yo, see, that's what's great, that you're traveling around. You get to see yeah. the different cultures and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was great. And, you know, I went to um, uh, to Uruguay, I uh, went to, um, with a buddy of mine who was, was also from uh, the United States, was working there. Okay. And we went to uh, Rio de Janeiro together. Oh, wow. Carnival, and <laughs> it was I was crazy. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we had we had some amazing times, and uh, and so after that, I came back to the U.S. or to Canada. To U.S. Okay. Yes. So I did some freelance for Real Effects on the Bird movie. The, okay. The uh, movie. Free Bird. Free Birds. Uh huh. And uh, and that's when I got a call. Somebody was asked to supervise this movie. In, uh, they were looking for somebody to supervise the movie, and they were looking outside of Canada. And so he said, I he recommended me. And so I talked to them. Since I was already a Canadian citizen, right? it wasn't a big stretch for me to kind of like move to Canada. So they asked if I wanted to supervise. Like, okay, um, I haven't really done that before, but I'm up for the challenge. And so I, you know, I headed up and moved to Canada. What was some of the biggest... Uh, um Hurdles learning to be a supervising animator. You know, this is where iAnimate comes in because when, when you're teaching, you're kind of supervising. Animate. That's, yeah. You know, are, are you teaching it? No, uh, but that makes animate? sense because I've, I've worked with supervising animators and things of that nature where you, it's very similar in that nature. Yeah. You're yeah. teaching. So you're that was my training ground to be, to be in a supervisor um, because when you're teaching, you always have to think, okay, why do I know this? 
and, and how do I communicate what I know? Right. Right. So that's the thing. Um, like when, when I was growing up, um, I wanted to be an artist, but my, my parents, my, my brother's an engineer, my father's an engineer, my uncle's an engineer, my, <laughs> my nephew's an engineer. They're all civil, electrical, chemical engineers. So it, it's all like, you know. Uh -huh. And now I was the one wanting to be an artist, and they looked at me like, why do you want to be an artist? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, so uh, whenever I was learning about art, learning, teaching myself to draw, I was always kind of like teaching in a way. I was translating everything. Now, Jim, this is what you need to do. And I would, I, I have a teaching voice in my head. So that's whenever I'm, I'm learning something, like in, in something in art, like how do I know what I know? That kind of thing. Right, right. So, so that attitude goes into supervising. Like, you know, when you're teaching, when you're telling somebody, it needs to be this way. You kind of have to give them an explanation of why. If you give them the why, it, it, it allows them to um, you know, go into the uh, into the task with a little bit more uh, confidence and knowing that someone also has their back, but also um, is, is, is giving them the reason why that they're working on something. So it, it, it's grounding them in, in terms of their learning process in, in animation, especially when you're teaching, you know, or if you're supervising junior animators, because basically it's all teaching them anyway. Right. You Did know? you find it difficult to give notes, or was that pretty that come pretty easy? No, it was, it was pretty easy. Okay. Know? It's like a lot, of, a lot of the problems that junior animators have, and a lot of animators have, is just spacing issues. It's okay. Just, it's just fixing the spacing issues. Gotcha. You know, it's like you, they have the right pose, they have the right idea. It's just that it, it's not looking as good as it could be on on the on the screen because the because the spacing is kind of messing things up mm. so gotcha a lot of that is is and then plus you know communicating what the director wants and being able to communicate that vision and learning about the story making sure that they're they have the story in mind when they're teaching right I mean, i'm sorry when they're animating right yeah yeah um so you you that was two projects there uh, at Singing Frog? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We did um, La Guerre de Touque, which is French for the war of, you know, a touque is, um, is what you wear in the winter, the hat. Okay. So in, it, it makes a lot of sense in French. It's the war of the hats, but it's the snow hats. It's the kids that have a snow fight. Uh, <laughs> and they're bored during the winter break, right? And and so like, yeah, what do you want to do? Why don't we, why don't we have a snow fight? Ah. So, so they have a snow fight, but the snow fight gets out of hand, right? Uh -huh. and, it, it, and so they, they have to learn the lesson that, okay, we can have fun, but maybe war is not a good way to, <laughs> to go about it. And it's based on an old uh, French-Canadian uh, 1984 film of the same name. Okay. They, they just turned it into a cartoon. An animated movie. Okay. So I had a built-in audience for Quebec. And the thing that I'm that I'm proud of is the fact that of all the Canadian films, homegrown Canadian films, our film made the most money for Canada. We got wow. the award for the most, the, the most that brought in homegrown Canadian revenue. We 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 won the award. For oh, that's that. awesome! Yeah, so very cool. cool. And because of the success of that, we did the, the second one. It oh, very called, cool. Um, uh, it was the what was it called in French? La course, la course de tuc. 
Okay, so is that a follow-up or? It was a race because now they're into the race. This time, they, you know, they, they have sleds. Everybody builds their own sleds. It's kind of like a soap. What do you call it? Those, um, I know you're talking about. Yeah, uh, soap cars or something. Yes, soapbox cars. Box cars. Yeah, yeah. Soapbox cars. Yeah, but it's with sleds. You know, going down because it's winter. You know, yeah. Montreal. It's we have these long winters and we have a lot of snow. <laughs> what else is there to do? That's right. So, <laughs> so then, um, yeah. So that was La Corse de Or now it was, it was because we couldn't translate the title into English. It didn't make any sense, the war of the hats. And besides, all the marketing people said, you can't use the word war. You can't use the word fight. So I'm like, this is what this is. You know, it, they can say it in French, but apparently in English, we're not allowed to say it. Really? Okay. So they, they were, they, uh, for the longest time, everybody's struggling. What are we going to call it? We're gonna... So they came up with the, the name Snow Time. <laughs> <laughs> Snow Time. Doesn't can quite have the uh, intrigue, no. I guess. Oh my God! Snow time. <laughs> All right. So that was the English name for it, and then uh, the now the la course means the race, right? Course is uh -huh. the race. Okay. The course de tuc. The tuc is the hat. Uh huh. So that was translated into race time. <laughs> <laughs> so in the English version is race time, but we animated first in English, and then they dubbed it into French. So all the lip sync is going to be off in French, but in English, it's, it's fine. We, we did everything in English. Now, what was, um, just because you knew it was a larger audience? Yes. Because yeah. you knew, because you were doing it more for the homegrown in there in Canada, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, all of Canada. So, you know, Quebec. True. Montreal's the French portion. Okay. Yeah, Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Canada's French. But the, plus we wanted to, you know, to have it so that it could be shown in other countries. Gotcha. Canada. Okay. Yeah. Now, you, I'm assuming you speak French as well. Well, je parle français. Okay, I. That's where I'm. I'm done there. I'm done. So you said you're from Canada. Well, Canada? Just, all I said was I'm learning French. Okay. Yeah, je parle. Je apprends. So where so, are you, where are you originally from? From Canada, then? Uh, Toronto. Oh, okay. Okay. I spoke English in Toronto. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm still learning French. I've been here five years, and uh, you know, French is a very difficult language to learn. Gotcha. Because of the way they speak, you don't they don't pronounce the last letters. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what does that mean? I I try to like I can't spell it. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> so you've been there for five years, you said? Yeah. Okay. Do you see yeah. yourself short of something else coming along here, kind of? continue in that area that's obviously a very growing well, area here's here's the weird thing um i'm now working for uh a, a studio and i'm back to 2d again oh really yeah i'm working with toon boom oh awesome 2D. yeah i'm working okay. on i did some looney tune stuff with bugs bunny oh that's awesome and uh we're doing stuff now for bento box and i can't say what we're going to be working on but we're going to get some more well i think we're going to get i can say that we're going to get more looney tunes stuff so i'm going to be animating more bugs bunny stuff that's so awesome I'm, I'm back to 2d and like i i was really intimidated uh at first because you know first of all i don't know how to use tune but i had to learn the software mm -hmm. quickly so i started picking up some freelance from the studio and then now i'm working there full time that is fantastic yeah so i haven't <laughs> done well i did do i'm also i supervised a, a commercial there as well okay 
uh, for 3D for animation. It was like um, they had this little character for selling Jameson vitamins, and he was saying, "Hey, you should buy our vitamins." You know? <laughs> and uh, so I animated that, and I supervised um, a junior animator on that. That's great. So I'm doing kind of both because they're 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 a production house and they 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 get clients and so we do commercials and we're doing um, all kinds of work for uh, different studios now. Now you, we talked about the the 2D snappies or the, we talked about the snappy animation. Are you yes. use a little quite a bit in that? Oh yeah, nice. Oh yeah, my God, was it snappy? I couldn't <laughs> believe it. And uh, and and. Just bang, getting into those overshoots and settles and stuff like that. Oh, that's awesome. It was so much fun. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I, I was like, this is, I can't believe I'm here, you know? That's and great. And at first, when, when I went to, I was looking for work after La Corse de Tuc, and um, like, where do we want to work? And then um, I just applied at the jobs. Hey, do you, have, do you do any 3D work? I said, no, but I think you might be good for 2D. I'm like, what do you mean? So like, well, we saw your reel. Let's give you a shot at 2D. <laughs> 2D, like, are you crazy? <laughs> I haven't done it for 25 years. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of like, like, don't worry about it. So they gave me some shots, and you know, I struggled a little bit at the beginning trying to get okay. my legs back, but I finally got it. That is so cool. That yeah. is so cool. You, yeah. you, I hope you don't take this the wrong way. You kind of remind me of that, the Renaissance man, you know, where it's like, it's you, you got a bit of just everything. Like I said, when I started looking at your uh, bio and the 2D. The, yeah. three, the CG, the VFX, and the knowledge you're talking about, again. Oh, you're, you're VFX, doing... yeah. We didn't really talk about that much because um, uh, in between the two uh, singing frog shows, I worked at Framestore. Yeah, on the Beauty and the Beast, right? Beauty and the Beast, yeah. And uh, I did some uh, stuff like a, uh, Lumiere. I did some animation in the piano, walking the, the piano. So I had to learn all that. Did you find that challenging working in yeah. VFX? Yeah, it's a different finale. animal, though. It's a different animal. I, How I so? Know, I guess a lot of guys from my animator are, are moving on to VFX. And, so in 2D, the, the main difference, not 2D, but in 3D animation, even 2D, you, you, you have a certain amount of time per shot, right? And um, if it's like 125 frames, you, you're supposed to get it out maybe within a week or so. You can get that same 125 frames in, in, in visual effects, and you could be working on that for months. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not. I mean, Why? I, just because the notes keep coming back or what? Because there's so many layers of approvals. Mm. You know, you go to your supervisor and then this has to go and then eventually goes to the client uh, in Los Angeles and they look at it and they have a different. So it might be that you might get something completely different, than what, you know, as far as what they want. And then and then they say, you know, and one criticism like, well, move on frame 45, move it over here and have a look at this character. And so you do that. And then and it's, it's like every time there's always a little bit more and if this can go on for months. So you're working on, you know, maybe five shots. Right. All five shots are taking months before they, they become actually approved. Yeah. And I think what happens is that it, they get approved because they finally run out of time. The deadline. Yeah. And they can't noodle it anymore. <laughs> so they so they so they have to they have to say okay it's good enough at this point. Man, now okay, but, I, I'm a pretty um, I have a wrestling background, so I'm I'm a pretty tenacious guy. Where it's like I, I the idea of giving up it just it's foreign to me. But I've had yeah. shots like that where it feels like it just won't leave my realm here. And I yeah. can imagine when you're working on something like that for months, you're just like. Yeah. 
it, we enjoy animation, you're, but it's one of those yeah. things you're like, I, can I just finish this? Here? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and at some point, and this has happened as well, um, didn't, I was kind of lucky on Beauty and the Beast, but when I was working on another show, um, you could get someone else's shot and say, okay, you have to, because he's moved on to something else. You know? Oh, so goodness. That shot is still lingering and it needs to be done. So you get the shot or you give up one of your shots and it goes to someone else. So it's, it's, uh, it's a different way of thinking. I think the reason why is because animation and visual effects, they were kind of, a, they kind of were working parallel and moving in this certain direction almost, but they're not intersecting at all. Gotcha. They're, you know? And so the language and the process is a little bit different. Right, right. Games is probably even more so. I've never really worked in games. Uh -huh. so I don't know what that's like at all. So I'm, I'm imagining that they have their own way of working. Right. Their own, their own language that they... Yeah. It's all enough. animation, but somehow they're not connected. Yeah, I've, we recently did a podcast, that, uh, um, but I've done plenty of uh, podcasts with game animators and uh, mm -hmm. Rick Arroyo, who's heads up our, our game animation. Right. He's mentioned that. He's here in Montreal. Oh, yeah, 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 he yeah. is. That's funny. Yeah. Um, but he says, you know, in, as an animator, you're not just an animator, you're a game developer, because one of the things you're doing is you aren't just animating, you're animating to responsiveness and how it, you know, feels in, hooked up to a controller when the you know, player pushes the button, it's got to fill, you know, so he goes, yeah. you're animating, yeah. just like you said, it's all animation, but you've got to do yeah. things a little bit differently from right. games to VFX to, yeah. 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 So that's interesting. Although I have to say about the visual effects people, I really respect what they do because I, I just saw the Lion King. Yeah. And man, that is just incredible what they can do. Yeah. You know? I haven't seen that one yet, but I did see um, the Jungle Book. And the and Jungle Book the as same well. Thing. Yeah, and John Favreau, I think, was the director for both of those. And, but yeah, the the, the, it's the way that they analyzed um, animal motion, that yeah, tell that that's you know that's CG. That's it's it's, it's amazing. It is really when amazing. I when I know the field and I'm sitting here looking, I'm going, I know the hat trick here, and it's still convincing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they have these other things like it's a muscle based system. So they put the jiggle in and right. that helps a little bit. Yeah. So that, that I do remember from, from being in there because, but one of the things I have to tell, just a quick short story about um, at the frame store is that um, we had the Mrs. Potts, right? The, the teapot. Yeah. It should be a simple rig, but what they ended up doing is they put a muscle system in that rig. And so it was very heavy, it was very difficult, and it was very slow. And this should have been a, a lightning fast rig. You should yeah. be able to scrub through that and, and make the decisions. But but they insisted that it had to be a muscle system to do this because that's just the way they did it, you know? <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. And um, it, a simple, you know, getting into simple mouth shapes, it was, you know, we have to abduct your muscle and this is, they had all kinds of names for this. And um, <laughs> it, was, it was driving us nuts. Well, Jim, um, I do appreciate your time very much. It's been great. Yeah. I've been working with you with my Animate for a long time, but this is the first yeah. time I've got to get you in on this, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. That's, it's been great. Great talking to you. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Well, definitely check out Jim's uh, workshops. He's been great having here, and obviously you can look at his bio here and just this podcast, which has been amazing to see what he's been up to so it's always great having guys like you with that much experience teaching here so thank you very much my pleasure, my pleasure. all right thank you jim all right